everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. I'm glad you guys have joined me. Today is Mailbox Monday. This is the day when I get to answer your questions and touch on the headlines. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. We are rolling in to uh, what has been arguably the most uh, exhausting and exhilarating and exciting season of my life so far, and that's in my run for Congress. I'm going to ask that you guys join with us and the people on our campaign and for those of you who are around the country and around the world listening to this. For the last few days in the month of July, we're going to enter into three days of prayer and fasting. I'll be talking about this a little bit tomorrow as we uh, dive into why we why do we fast? You know, why do we combine prayer and fasting? What does the Bible say about fasting? What does a fast mean? And uh, I'm going to invite you to join me as we just petition the Lord. And really at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, my run for Congress or whether we're praying about something that's happening in our country or whether we're coming before the Lord on behalf of our marriages, the Bible teaches us that prayer is not a last resort. It is the most powerful weapon at our disposal because we are talking to the living God and God loves you. And God loves the people of the United States and he loves the people of this world. And in fact, his word declares that it's so. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's heart for us is clearly seen in his word. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. This is the Lord saying this, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed or discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I was thinking about the spirit of fear. And I've talked about this many times in the last several years at the show, but the Bible teaches us that fear is a spirit, right? We read this in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And here in Isaiah 41, the Lord is saying, do not fear. In other words, don't be given to the spirit of fear. Fear really does sap us and drain us of power. And it leaves us feeling depleted. It leaves us feeling hopeless. And I want to encourage you today away from a place of fear. I loved this. I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. But at, uh, at one of my favorite websites, it says the preservation of Israel through the horrors of their time. So this is Isaiah, by the way, sharing this message in the middle of this, this captivity. And the author here is saying that the preservation of Israel through the horrors of the time of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, when all appeared lost, the triumph of the church through centuries of persecution and opposition are all powerful reminders that underneath us are the everlasting arms of a mighty and loving God who will ultimately bring us to share in his eternal victory. And there is so much happening around us in the world, particularly as it relates to our children. You know, this is a passion of mine to defend the children who are really being left defenseless, particularly as it relates to the Biden administration and this insanity of transgenderism that we see him pushing on our students. And I was looking uh, over the the, federal judge's ruling. This just happened uh, a few days ago, but a federal judge ruling against the insanity that's coming down from the Biden administration as it relates to our children. Uh, Rachel Levine, who is a dude, by the way, uh, totally coming after your kids. Uh, This man who thinks he's a woman, uh, and I'm going to link back to an article on PJ Media, 
but there's a picture of Rachel Levine and underneath it, they said, Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine's desire to empower kids, and I put that in air quotes, to permanently alter their bodies is the big, crazy insanity wrap, an entire week's worth of lefty nuttiness wrapped up in one easy to swallow medicated news capsule. And they go on to talk about just the craziness that Rachel Levine, who is uh, Biden's assistant health secretary, PJ Media calls the president presidentish. And I don't know if you saw him, the president over in uh, Israel recently, but something is terribly wrong. His health secretary, Rachel Levine, a guy wants to use the power of the federal government to, quote, support and empower young people who might be trans to permanently alter their bodies. And he said that trans youth are vulnerable. PJ Media went on to say all youth are vulnerable, right? That's why they're being targeted from the left. Youth are vulnerable. The Bible teaches us that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. We know that when when children are young and their minds are forming, that they are impressionable, that they are vulnerable, absolutely vulnerable. And so what is the left doing? What is this radical agenda that's going after our children? They're targeting children who are vulnerable, particularly the children who are coming from uh, homes where they maybe don't have a father. Maybe they're suffering from uh, mental illness in their family. They're suffering in poverty, whatever it is. And they're being targeted by this radical leftist agenda. And this is what he said. So we really want to base our treatment and to affirm and support and empower these youths not to limit their participation in activities, in sports, or even limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. They have more mental health issues, but there's nothing inherent with being transgender or gender diverse, which would predispose youth to depression or anxiety. It's the harassment and bullying. Uh, This is wrong on so many levels. To say that these that these kids who are struggling with their gender identity don't have mental health issues, that they're not more prone to depression and anxiety is just a flat out lie. And that's what PJ Media points out. They said that they're going to tell you about two things that they think are wrong with this. They said the first is that being trans is a terrible condition. One of the most difficult medical science has ever encountered. It absolutely predisposes people of any age to depression and anxiety because the poor victims' minds are disassociated from the biological reality of their own chromosomes. I, I can't even wrap my head around how difficult this would be, about how, how frustrated, about how um, depressing it would be to be in that situation. But the answer is not to affirm someone in their delusion. The answer is to help them get the treatment so that they can be comfortable in the body which, which they have been assigned at birth, actually before birth. When the sperm and the egg unite, bam, you got DNA and you're either an XY chromosome or you're XX chromosome. And when uh, you are struggling with your identity, I don't care if it's gender dysphoria, if you believe, really genuinely believe that you're not what, uh, you're not a man and you are a man, then you need help. You don't need to be affirmed by a society that would like to see you go farther and farther down the rabbit hole. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, these wannabe trans kids are getting attention right now. It's trendy. I don't know if you guys are following this story, but I thought it was awesome. The San Diego school chief made a whole bunch of parents angry because they want your kids to come back to school and wear a mask. And when the parents said, no, we're not doing that, uh, the the San Diego school chief said, you know what? Then don't come. Stay home. So this is the San Diego Unified School District Board president under fire for instructing students who won't wear masks to stay home from regular school and opt for Zoom classes instead. Indoor masking is now required for the San Diego Unified School District and uh, their offices until the end of summer amid a recent rise in COVID-19 cases. 
for goodness sake, you guys, this thing is not going to go away. It's a virus. It's very much like the flu. It's going to come and it's going to go. It's going to ebb and it's going to flow. We're either going to learn to live with it or we're going to learn or we're going to live in fear and we're going to give our kids mass psychosis problems for the rest of their natural lives when they don't need to be afraid of a virus that really doesn't affect children very much at all. And the San Diego Unified School District completely out of their minds. And now they're saying, well, fine, if you won't wear a mask, stay home. And uh, the parents are like, yeah, no. I predict that there's going to be quite a rise in homeschooling yet again this fall as parents begin anew to realize that these schools are not on the side of children. They're absolutely not. Speaking of not on the side of children, you all saw that uh, Leah Thomas, another dude who looks like a lady, was just nominated for the NCAA's Award Woman of the Year. Have you guys noticed that all the men are taking the women's awards right now? I don't know where the women are that are speaking out and screaming about the patriarchy, but they're nowhere to be found right now. Crickets, that's all you hear right now. So Riley Gaines actually had an amazing career at, at Kentucky and was also nominated for the award. So she's a swimmer, right? And so she was she was absolutely horrified that they would nominate this transgender man to be a woman and win the title of Woman of the Year. And so she came out and tweeted her opinion about it. She said that the NCAA was making the highest award in collegiate athletics worthless, which is exactly what they're doing. Uh, this is what she said, and I quote, being the real girl in, the, in that photo and also University of Kentucky's nominee for the NCAA's Women of the Year Award, this is yet another slap in the face to women. First, a female national title and now nominated for the Pinnacle Award in Collegiate Athletes, she wrote in a tweet response. Uh, the NCAA has made this award absolutely worth it. The award combines athletic performance with academics, service, and character. What character has Thomas shown other than sheer selfishness and entitlement? The disrespect and disregard for other female athletes in Thomas's interviews is eye-opening. And yet, uh, the University of Pennsylvania is just absolutely thrilled to have a dude take away yet another award from women. What in the world is going on? And this is happening by the way, all across the country. It's something that I've been talking about for a long time here at the show is this need to be able to speak the truth. And when you do, if you dare to speak the truth right now, you're gonna be canceled for it, you're gonna be slammed for it, you're gonna be attacked for it. And I'm here to tell you, I actually think it's worth it. Because if we don't start telling the truth right now, and I mean telling the truth about uh, gender, I'm talking about telling the truth about children, about the importance of, of life, the value that human life has, and when we start lying about the value of human life or we start lying about our gender or our chromosomes, we're denying basic biology. I'm wondering when these guys are going to identify as people who no longer believe in gravity. So then are we just going to let them walk off a rooftop? Well, he identifies as someone who doesn't believe in gravity. It actually doesn't matter. If we can't tell the truth, we are going to be a culture in decline. And that's exactly where we are right now. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. If you guys are homeschooling in the fall and you are looking for a program for language arts, I want to recommend to you the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And recently I've been hearing from you asking, what do I buy? IEW has a lot of things that they're offering. So I want you guys to start with something I have loved and used with my kids. It's called Structure and Style for Students. Check it out and try three weeks for free at IEW.com forward slash Heidi. So I want to get to your questions. We've touched a little bit on the headlines, the sort of wackadoo weird world that we're living in right now. But I want to take just a few minutes and get to your questions today as it is 
Mailbox Monday. And like I said, I'm going to come back probably tomorrow or the next day and start talking to you guys about the importance of fasting and why I'm asking my campaign and people who are uh, interested in uh, some of these really important races that are happening in, around the country right now to join with me in several days of prayer and fasting that God would intervene on our behalf, on behalf of this country and start sending people who are committed to righteousness to the positions of authority, wherever that is, whether it's on the school boards or in uh, in our state houses and our state uh, Senate and the state Congress or in federal seats, we need new leadership. And beyond that, we need people to stand uh, for righteousness and be willing to tell the truth in the culture right now. So I'm going to answer a couple of your questions. Um, and these are these are tough. Some of these are tough questions. So the first one comes from Dana in Oklahoma. And she says, hi, Heidi, I love your show and listen regularly. Thank you, Dana. My question is, how do you walk in unity with family members who support the left? My mom trusts Jesus as her savior and claims to be pro-life, yet supports the Democrat party since she sees them as the compassionate ones due to social services for poor people. She believes almost all of the mainstream media narratives. And if I try to reason with her, she shuts me down. Most conversation is surface level about our kids. She also talks a lot about her Presbyterian church where she's temporarily filling in as the head pastor. Ding, ding, ding. I just listen because it's uncomfortable for me that she's shepherding in a shepherding position like this and yet walking in much deception. Uh, She said she had a crisis of faith when I was in college and came back to God a couple of years later, but embraced a very liberal worldview and our relationship has never been the same. So a couple of things that I would say right off the bat is and I, I believe this with all my heart, the, the divide in this country, right? The cultural divide, the political divide, Christians have a responsibility according to God's word. The Bible says, when as much as it depends on us, we are called to live in peace, at peace with people. There are dividing topics, right? There are deal breakers in relationships, but I don't believe that the political divide should be one of them. and so. We may disagree, and it certainly does make, you know, dinner parties more frustrating. But I've heard from people now for the last several years who are absolutely shutting anyone out of their life with which they disagree, particularly whether it's political. And I have never seen this more apparent than uh, under the leadership of President Trump. You guys know that I absolutely supported President Trump in terms of his policy and what he did for this country. I think he's done more for this country politically. I'm especially thankful to Trump for his appointment of good judges in the United States, particularly on the Supreme Court. But one thing that he did that I am very sorry for and continue to uh, to believe has actually injured us is taking the conversation down to the lowest common denominator. We all remember him, you know, yelling, you know, lying Ted Cruz and all the nicknames that he gave people when he was running for president. And I think a lot of us, including myself, sort of gave him a pass because he was saying things out loud that a lot of us were feeling this frustration, this anger at where the country was going. But the fact of the matter is, if we are going to be in positions of leadership, we've got to elevate the conversation and not uh, continue to drag it down to the basement level. And this this is especially true of somebody who's in the position of the president of the United States. And so I guess as I'm traveling around my district and as I've been running for Congress for the last year and a half, things have been very eye-opening to me. And I said this on the show last week, and I'm going to continue to say it, the Republican Party, the conservatives in this uh, in this country, and actually conservatives around the world, 
we we can we've got to run away from being a party that's driven by personality and get back to talking about policy. And this is where I think the conversation with people with whom we disagree is so important. We shouldn't be running from conversations that we feel the tension in or we think, oh, maybe they're going to disagree or, hey, I disagree with you or whatever. I have had many, many conversations in the last year and a half with people across the aisle who disagree with me and I have engaged in those conversations. I think we can engage in them from a position of authority and from a position of compassion and from a position of strength. And sometimes, particularly online, and I'm as guilty of this as the next guy, right? Sometimes someone will say to me, like someone got on my page the other day and called me a nasty woman. I was just like, wow, uh, okay. And so when I responded to this woman, I said, you know, hey, sweet girl. And of course, I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I said it, right? And I, I look back at, you know, just how we talk to each other and it actually matters. And so I would just encourage you, I know it's frustrating and I'm not saying you have to be best friends, uh, particularly, you know, since your mom seems to be walking Uh, down a road that is divergent, really, from what I believe the Bible, the narrative of the Bible, the the idea that the Democrat Party is the more compassionate party is ridiculous. Look at our country right now. It's not compassionate to allow people to sit in their own filth on the side of the road and uh, hand out meth pipes to people. It's not. This is not compassion. The Democrat Party is not the party of compassion. And when we talk about abortion, there's no better conversation to be had you know, I, I I talked to a woman just the other day who said that she believed that abortion should be a woman's right. And I said, it is never the right of another human being to take the life of an innocent person ever for, for any reason. And we either value life or we don't. These are conversations that we should be having, but we can have them in a way that's civil and respectful. And I would I would just encourage you to do that. When you're talking about children, it's a little bit of a different uh I think we take a, a, a bit of a different angle. So I would not be the person, if my kids were young, very young, I wouldn't be hanging around people that had these polar opposite ideas about policy or anything else, simply because I don't think that would be good for our kids. I mean, the Bible teaches us that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. So it absolutely matters who our kids are around, what influences we're allowing around them. We've got to start uh, making sure that our children are being taught the truth. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. So when they're young, that's the time to say, we, we establish what is right and what is wrong. Because the Bible uh, is, the, is the plumb line. It's the foundation from which we get our worldview. This is why we are talking always to our children about what's happening in the culture. And so with that in mind, I would say I would be careful not to have my children uh, indoctrinated into this uh, belief system that your mom has bought into but rather teach your children the truth. That's not to say to separate yourself from your mom. I mean, obviously I don't know all of the the level of conversation, but you just said, you know, she's pastoring. She's filling in as head pastor for a church. I've got huge problems with that just from God's word. So I would say that to me is a basic understanding, a misunderstanding of scripture, but it's also denominational. And I recognize that as well. So I would just encourage you, you know, there are things that we can't, when you talk about unity, right? Because that's the bottom line for your question. How do we walk in unity with Christian family members who support the left? I think we're kind, but I think, and we encourage the conversation, but we keep the conversation civil and we listen to each other. We've got to be listening. These positions, particularly as it relates to the defense of of life, we can talk about compassion and what that looks like. I don't think that that these people that we want to demonize, I think so often we demonize people and we shouldn't. 
There was a woman on my uh, social media, one of my pages the other day, who said that she was praying that God would give me mercy because she felt like I didn't have any mercy because I didn't have mercy for the mom who uh, didn't feel like she was going to be able to provide food for her for her child once it was born. I didn't have mercy for the woman who had been raped and found out that she was pregnant. I didn't have mercy for a woman who was suffering from an ectopic pregnancy. And I got back to her and said, first of all, ectopic pregnancy and abortion. Uh, if an ectopic pregnancy, once that happens, the pregnancy is not going to survive. It, it absolutely is not going to survive. And so I've had Abby Johnson, who uh, put out uh, the movie Unplanned, I had her on my show. We talked about ectopic pregnancy. This has been a discussion here for many, many years. So I said, I'm going to completely set that discussion aside. But I said, all these other things, I wrote back to her and said, this is one of the most vile comments that anyone's ever left on my page. Because what she was saying was, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you don't have mercy because you don't, you don't feel compassion for this mom. And I said, who's going to feel compassion for the child? These unborn children who should be in the safest place on the planet. And someone's going to come in there, break the, the water, the waters of the pregnant woman and stick forceps in there and rip the arms and legs off an unborn child. I'm sorry, but I will not have mercy for murder. I never will. And we shouldn't, but we don't need to be yelling and screaming at each other because I believe we're going to win this argument in the end. Science is at the back of the pro-life movement. All you got to do is look at an ultrasound. The humanity of the unborn is absolutely undeniable. And the Bible teaches us that God knew us in our mother's womb. So before we took a single breath, the Bible says, I had a plan for you. I knew you. When you were being woven together in the depths of the earth, I knew you. My eyes saw your unformed body and I saw your days. They've already been ordained for you. Human life is intrinsically value. God values human life. And because God values human life, we should value human life as well. And so we, we, we want to love what God loves. We love what God loves. We hate what God hates. We, we speak the truth in love. And whenever we have the opportunity, we engage in these conversations. And so I'd like to see the conversation elevated and for us to engage in them again. Of course, there's going to be moments when you can't do that, right? There's enough screaming and yelling going on in this country. And I would imagine in other countries around the world right now, because we're fighting against a spiritual uh, adversary. And this is taking us right back to Ephesians 6, right? And it's what I can continue to say. We cannot fight these spiritual battles using the weapons of this world. We've got to be on our knees in prayer. We've got to be asking the Lord to give us wisdom. I was praying about my run for Congress the other day, just sitting alone in my room. And I had been reading the Bible and just talking to the Lord out loud. And I was reminded of Jesus on the cross, you know, suffering terribly, right? I mean, crucifixion is, is basically it's torture that, that ends up in death, right? So here's Jesus being uh, crucified for love, for the love of the people in this world. And what does he say at the end of his life? He says, he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And I wonder what would happen if every day we woke up and said, Lord, into your hands, I commit my day, I commit my life, my actions, my words. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I think that the conversation would change. And I'm saying that just as my as myself, because I have a hard time doing it. It's hard when people are attacking you to always be kind. It's hard, but we've got to ask the Lord to help us. That doesn't mean that we change our position. It doesn't mean that we soften our stances against things that we know to be wrong, but it does mean that we stand for righteousness and we ask the Lord to give us the grace and the mercy to do it. And then having done all, as the Bible says, we stand immovable, 
standing for what we know to be right. So a lot of these issues are difficult right now, and I recognize that, and we need to be continuing to pray for each other. Like I said, um, we're going to enter into uh, several days of prayer and fasting here at the end of the week. I'll be talking more about that tomorrow and the next day, but I want to just encourage you, if you guys are interested in following my run for Congress, I don't know what the outcome will be, but I'm going to say it again, what I've said from the very beginning. This was never about an outcome for me. It was always about obedience. It will always be about obedience. God doesn't guarantee us anything in this life. He asks us to obey. And so when we do that, when we say, Lord, I've come before you, I've asked you for uh, to move, and I'm going to believe that you're going to move uh, in the way that you want to. And we say, Lord, not our will, but yours. Into your hands, we commit our lives. And we do that through prayer. And so I'm going to invite you to join me uh, toward the end of this week. And we're going to ask for the joy of the Lord to be our strength. That's what the Bible teaches, that the joy of the Lord should be our strength. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate those of you who are writing in and leaving reviews for the show over at iTunes. Thank you so much for that. I would love to hear your stories and your questions. You can reach out to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith 